welcome back to another episode of Find Your Fizz, the podcast that is on a mission to share real inspirational stories to inspire you to find your fizz and happiness in life. I'm Fizz Yassin, specialist yoga teacher, registered associate nutritionist, heart warrior, mental health advocate, and an all-round happiness viber. Each week, I'll be joined by some special guests who have all found a way to shine their fizz with the world, especially through what has been such a weird time in our lives, right? If you didn't know already, in the UK, we are still in lockdown two, which for many has been as challenging, if not more challenging than lockdown one. To be honest, this whole year has been really, really tough for a lot of us. And my heart goes out to those that have directly been affected by the pandemic. And know I'm sending you all so much love. But whether you have directly been affected or not, our mental health has definitely taken a beating. And I can't lie and say it's been all rainbows and unicorns in the fizz world. But by practicing daily practices in finding my fizz and happiness in life, it has truly helped me find a way through this really challenging time that we're all going through. So here's a reminder. Ask yourself right now, How am I feeling? What can I do to make myself feel better today? And do more of those things because that is what's gonna help us find that fizz and happiness in life. Well, my guest this week tells us how she realized she needed to reach out for support when she obsessively secretly went to the doctors week on week. She often questioned her own existence growing up, getting to such a low point where she couldn't get out of bed for months but she indeed found a way out from the covers and took control. Shah Brockman's story just blew me away. Despite knowing her from school, I truly felt like I was speaking to a brand new person. So let's cue the show and hear more from Shah. This week's podcast is set to blow you away. My guest, who I've known for 17 years, is making her mark in the world for sure. Shah Brockman is on a mission to ensure that there is support being set into place for millennials out there to help them with their mental health challenges. Having suffered from her own personal struggles with mental health, she is now the co-founder of an incredible non-profit mental health organisation called Mad Millennials, which is run across the UK and also in Barcelona to support those millennials with their mental health and well-being, which I'm very humbled to be a mentor for. When she's not trying to support others through their mental health, she has found a way to cope with her own. Through singing and songwriting, she tries to strike a balance of setting a self-reflective tone of strength and vulnerability through her lyrics. Honestly, her voice is sublime. So without further ado, I'd love to welcome Shah Rockman onto the show. Hi, Shah. Hi. Oh, that was so lovely. Thank oh. you so much for that. I know it's crazy that we were, we were speaking uh, just before about how long we've known each other and 17 years. Yes. A long time. Years. It <laughs> is a long time. And I think, you know, what the crazy thing about it is how we reconnected, like more so around this sort of year. It's been about a year or so that we've reconnected and it's just mm. been so lovely as well because all the projects you're doing, obviously, I am so passionate to see and hear about as well. So how did you come up with Mad Millennials? Let's go straight into that. Because obviously, like you said, you suffered from your own mental health challenges. 
and yes. how did how did this all sort of come about uh, very much from that, really. Um, I, I've i always known I was a sort of an anxious child and a bit of a worrier and all those kind of uh, phrases that we often hear. Um, but it was really kind of brewing sort of through school life. And then it was sort of probably as I was getting to late teens um, that I kind of saw it as like really kind of exploding in my mind. And and I was sort of riddled with anxiety and uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, mainly the type um, called Puro, which is mm. um, thought based, intrusive thoughts, obsessional thinking, uh, rumination, that kind of more um, mental rituals than anything else. And panic disorder and having panic attacks and um, just feeling really frightened, I think, and really, really scared all the time. Mm. Um and kind of fluctuating between, you know, going to kind of really low and darker places um, through the thoughts, but then also um, with the panic attacks kind of flipping to the other side of, of sort of terror, really. And I mean, that really sort of got to its worst, I'd say, leading up towards university and starting university. And I was doing psychology and I thought, oh, am I doing the right thing? I was kind of, oh, is this going to make me worse? It was the best thing for me to do, but I'll get to that. Um, and I started uni. And about three weeks in, I got glandular fever, which now everything going on with, you know, people mm. with coronavirus kind of seems like there's nothing. But, you know, I would tell anyone like that I could speak to. I'd be like, oh, did you know I had glandular fever? And it was bad. <laughs> um, but it was very, it was very bad. And I think the it was the mental um, sort of implication of, of what that sort of did to me more than anything. And I moved back home and I was at home for three months barely got out of bed all the days kind of just blurred into one and it kind of just felt like one long panic attack um and I developed quite bad health anxiety so every sort of feeling in my body would be heightened and there was just no rational thinking that I could really sustain at that point it was just complete you know panic and there were a few things that sort of started to help me get better and I think back then the one thing that sort of really upset me this year, and I think, I mean, even last year it was like this, but even worse now that I, I got so much support from uni, from, I mean, not not from the doctors. That wasn't great. There was, there was very limited awareness. So what, seven years ago now, mm. um, eight years ago. And I'd be going to the doctors and I'd repeatedly be going and, you know, checking that what was wrong with me. And it took a long time for someone to sort of piece all the puzzles together and go right you know this this girl's mentally unwell right now um but when I got to uni I couldn't fault them I had counsellors I had extra support extra time extra resources and the fact now that you know you hear of uni students on long waiting lists for, for support because there just isn't enough of it it just breaks my heart because that's just not something I had to face and if I had I really don't know how I would have gone or how things would have been because my uni experience and the support I got was incredibly positive um but I spoke a lot to a friend that I made um called Lauren who is co-founder of Mad Millennials and I met her I think in the beginning of second year and we spoke a lot about mental health and it was quite an instant connection and bond that we both had um that we found sort of in each other and she was also studying psychology and she'd had some family members struggle with their mental health so we kind of spoke about support and feeling like our generation, particularly the age that we were when we were leaving uni, is that the expectation to have your life together and, you know, that 
just knowing what you're supposed to be doing and how you're supposed to be feeling and I I remember thinking I was only like 19 or or 20 when I was really unwell and I was like crying to my mum like oh I'm supposed to be like I'm supposed to be this I'm supposed to have my life sorted I'm supposed to be blah 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 and like that the reality is well doesn't matter how old we are you know there is no supposed to and that that kind of shame I felt about being what I decided was at the age that I was supposed to be together was just completely not true um so sorry this is a bit of a long-winded story um but yeah so Lauren and I we when we finished uni we Lauren was going through a bit of a difficult patch um and we started going to different events and it was all kind of happened very without realizing what we were doing we were just sort of seeking out mental health groups or talks or mainly sort of talks and workshops around London and I'd find oh we need to go to this one and that one Mm. and then we just kind of got talking and we thought well you know what happens when yeah you have left uni and you're you know feeling a bit lost and there's not that conventional support system around you then what so we thought well we'll just set something up and we got a very small bit of funding initially Um, which was enough to just do like the launch events and we also put on a fundraising event in Maidenhead where I'm from and Belper where um, Lauren is from Mm -hmm. and that was able to pay for our sort of big first launch event which we kind of were advertising on social media Um, and at this point like the, the name is very it came to us really quickly and we've had a few people usually not millennials sort of query well how did you come up with that isn't that a bit not what you're supposed to be promoting I was like well no in fact like it's tongue-in-cheek yeah it's and I think it's reclaiming that word yeah it, it really yeah. is and the way that you've kind of set the tone of what mad millennials is is the fact that you know it is tongue-in-cheek and that's what I think is going to really draw people to that and yeah. firstly oh my gosh like your story has just been insane I would never have known the girl that I knew at school the confident sort of drama student um, who I obviously uh, studied with to who you are now. It's it's a long journey, but do you think this whole journey of building up to where you are now, which we'll talk about in a moment, has really showed you how strong you are as well? Yeah, I mean, confidence is a funny thing, isn't it? Because yeah, we were um, talking about this. <laughs> we were talking, yeah, and, and it's just so... It's, to hear how people sort of perceive you as and like to hear you say that obviously it's amazing but that couldn't like me being confident couldn't be further from the truth of how I was feeling maybe internally at school and the kind of riddled like self-esteem issues and Mm. insecurities and but for some reason I felt like drama was a safe space and I've always and I'm sure we'll get onto that other kind of side of me but that kind of performing and I, I think you'll hear this a lot from you know actors and and people in the creative industries that kind of putting on that front which can be you know it's, it's a, a self-preservation it's kind of keeping you kind of protected but it's not always completely authentic there's something about being a character and playing a character that helps you just I think come out of your own body and into something else's and I think that mm-hmm. is where a lot of young people as we were found so much like you know hope and passion and just wanting to just give more life to that than Mm. anything else in our life which I always felt with myself whenever I get into a character I'm just like 
fully into that character yeah it's escapism in the best possible way because you are able to be like I'm not myself right now and for people who maybe struggle with themselves and to like themselves which I definitely did throughout my whole school life and you know even now that creeps in a lot um to kind of perform and and go into the role of somebody else is really quite valuable at that age I think Mm. but no I, I think in terms of what you were saying whether it's sort of shown me the strength in myself I'm still a work in progress and you know people will say to me like oh you know but I got through all of this stuff and you kind of think well like we have got through all of our really bad days to be sitting here and you hear that a lot like resilience is something that we undoubtedly have if we've got through all these bad days but I think to take stock and actually think what you've gone through to get to this point I think I can I struggle a lot to be able to do that Um, yeah and well I I self-reflect a lot but more kind of giving myself like credit because then I'll sort of think of the next thing that I want to do well I don't quite like how I'm oh I've got this issue and I wish I kind of could overcome that a bit quicker or but that being said when I really do think how ill I was sort of just bed bound and the kind of panic and all of that I didn't I couldn't even think towards like the end of the day and I think I forget that sometimes now because that lingered and I think when I got better and I went to uni and I kind of got back into uni I was very like oh my god like life I didn't think I'd be living and oh everything just was Mm. I was quite nice to myself then because I was like you've really got through it but now because that's sort of you know quite a long time ago now I think it's still important for me to think yeah I genuinely didn't think I would sort of get through the end of the day and now I will like even be able to go out on my own or walk to the shops everything was just so overwhelming and now you know I'll get a plane plane on my own I'm still feel anxious but I'll do it um so yeah yeah. how did you feel in those sort of dark moments what was the feeling and what was the fear that you were getting about life um I mean it was fearing death really and I really don't know where that kind of intense fear has come from um but it's very strong in my life and I think I was just petrified that I was going to die at any given moment um I mean I've always sort of worried had fears you know obsessed like OCD kind of obsessional Mm. thinking about people I love and my family sort of dying but this was very I couldn't think about anything or anyone else it was just the terror in my mind that I was going to die in the next moment and it was just this constant belief of that so I would sort of lie in bed all night feeling something on my stomach it would have been literally nothing it just you know I kind of create symptoms um which that shows how powerful the brain is and I would lie there waiting to to call the doctors and I'd go about three four times a week for about three months like definitely um and at the time my nan was quite poorly in hospital well she was very poorly in hospital um Mm. so my mum was there with her every day so I'd kind of sneak off and go to the doctors and then you know my mum wouldn't know necessarily as much as I was doing it but I just, yeah, I think that the answer to your question is just fear and fear that I was going to die and that there was something incredibly wrong with me. Either that or I was going to go in, you know, quotation marks, insane, Yeah, um, which was not a nice place to be in. No, it definitely isn't. And I think, you know, I haven't obviously felt it to your level, um, but I have 
I think physical and mental conditions are so different, but they can come together so much. And obviously, you know that I obviously have got a long term heart condition and I was born with a really poorly heart and throughout like school that I was always that sick child, <laughs> like, you know, in and out. But, you know, there for me, there was always that fear of like my heart stopping or me having a heart attack mm. or me having a cardiac arrest somewhere and no one could help me. And I think that was that's something obviously it's not compared to you but I can understand it's a very real fear it's a real fear you know it's it's based on you know there is an element of reality there so that's totally understandable as a child and any age really absolutely but to go through that as like such a young early 20 that still seems like you're trying to figure your life out and yet you're Mm. just like why am I fearing this already like you know I shouldn't be at this stage until I'm much later in life I just didn't think that there was a, I, I genuinely had lost complete grasp of sort of reality, I suppose. Um, and it was, it was, ju- it just felt like survival, but, you know, and, and anyone that's had a panic attack and it will know how it is not just a physical thing and it. And it very much is a physical thing that the pain, the symptoms that you're feeling oh, agony, uh, but also the, the mental um, aspect that comes along with that is, intense fear that you were going to die so the only way I can sort of describe it is just if anyone's had a panic attack just a a long constant panic attack for Mm. months on end that just never seemed to end um but it did and you know it wasn't overnight that's for sure but I would find myself testing the water a little bit more and you know I genuinely thought I couldn't get on the thought of getting on a train or getting in a car or anything like that where I'm going to be trapped on there and if I have a panic attack then you know this is going to be absolutely the end of the world yeah um but I would just push myself a little bit further each time and I think right what is the worst that can happen the thought of sitting in a lecture hall especially because I was having panic attacks before um I went home um and that was just the ultimate fear really to have one in a lecture when you can't get out but then I would be like no, I'm going to sit in the middle of the lecture. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to like, just sit through the discomfort. And I think that's really the only way that testing yourself and pushing yourself in that capacity, obviously not, you know, Mm. saying you're going to go skydiving every day, but (laughs) just something, (laughs) something to like put yourself out of your comfort zone. Cause I, I try and do that every day because there's a lot of stuff that makes me feel anxious and scared on a daily basis still. But I also know in, from like a an intellectual point of view from studying psychology and having an interest in that the that is really the only way to sort of move forward pushing yourself into those uncomfortable positions sitting with the discomfort and the kind of frustration comes now when I'm like god I do all this uncomfortable stuff why isn't it getting any more comfortable <laughs> I'm like yeah, it doesn't I make know. a difference but I don't want to preach that because I think you know that there is strong evidence the more you do something the more that you are you are going to desensitize yourself to and, that fear. And it is. And it is like, even when <laughs> it's I'm... It's time. It, is, it takes its time. And you never know when when it might just click into place. And you're just like, okay, yeah, I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling really happy and positive. And I've got yeah. this positive mental attitude. Like, I totally feel you on that. And I think, you know, what you just said, it is just feeling the fear. Because something I teach in my Yoga for Anxiety classes, for example, is like, you know, you've got to sort of dip your toes into some sea over there it's going to be cold it's going to be really cold but then it comes into okay I dip my toes maybe let me put one leg in there 
let me put the other leg in there. Okay, I'm halfway there. And you sort of acclimatise, don't you? So like you said, you're in that lecture hall. And sometimes you, you just need to just plunge right in. Yeah. And just, well, just get completely, just, right just throw yourself in the deep. And that's what I oh do. Oh my gosh. Oh, they, <laughs> they would not make us do that at school, wouldn't they? Like, get in the pool. It was awful, awful. God. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, plunge yourself in. But it is, it's either... Yeah. What, whatever steps it takes, it's either stepping it in one step at a time and acclimatizing yourself or literally just, yeah, ju- jumping in, jumping right in yeah. and just being like, okay, I can do this. I've got this. Like, mm, I feel the fear, mm. but I'm just going to push on through. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that is the, the best motto, I think. That is the biggest sort of life lesson for anyone mm. that's kind of gone through anything fear-based is just to try and face it. And like you say, whether that's step-by-step, um, climatizing yourself or whether it's just, throwing yourself straight in like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that I feel like we we should all just like you know throw ourselves into a pool one day and just mm. be like we got this we're gonna do it together yeah. let me go back to like obviously mad millennials so you, you obviously yes. started doing these events and now now you've started the mentorship scheme which is incredible obviously I'm a mentor which I'm very excited <laughs> about are. and yeah so t- tell me more about that how did that all come into place yeah, so I mean, the whole premise with Mad Millennials is this kind of millennials supporting millennials. And that's how it kind of differs, I suppose, from other groups and group therapy and this kind of peer-based system. Essentially, we felt like it's the way that we can help as many people as possible by bringing on mentors who have trained and, you know, feel like comfortable enough to sort of facilitate these sessions, but essentially just hold space for people who maybe feel like they haven't got that space to go to and it kind of will feel like a bit of a friendship group but a dedicated space to focus on millennial related issues and struggles and mental health that kind of comes with all of that stuff so like there's certain themes that we think we've we've done our kind of little research on but then we've also you know taken research that other people have done and kind of formed these themes together based on what we're seeing to be the biggest stressors in millennials lives essentially so say it's like finance but everything's got a kind of mental health undertone and people will be free to kind of talk about that um but essentially how it will work is like you said we've got got the mentors you're one of them which is very very exciting so we've got 12 areas now um across the country and then one in Barcelona I feel like when we say that we're like and one in Barcelona in Barcelona (laughs) we to go (laughs) literally Um, so the idea is that uh, there will be small groups with meetups and obviously at the moment things will have to operate online and in a kind of COVID secure way. But hopefully in the not too distant future, this will be a face to face platform, which is really what we wanted to kind of feel like you're connecting with people your age in a dedicated, safe space um because a lot of people feel like you know they haven't got that in their friendship groups or they don't want to talk about that in their friendship groups which is completely fair enough and they might be getting support through a therapist or but we're not trying to take away from that or say you know you don't need um professional one-to-one support because a lot of people do it can be in addition to it supplementary or you know you might just find that for you you don't you don't need to sit and talk to a therapist like this group scenario will will work so that's the kind of premise behind it but yeah it's called mad millennials mentors so mmm which is a bit of a mouthful but yeah get the hang no, of it. when i messaged you i was like so we'll talk about the mmmmmm loads of m's just loads of m's but you know what like i really do feel that and i am 
obviously you know that I I work with the British Heart Foundation and mm. obviously Great Ormond Street Hospital and I'm a peer support mentor for a lot of young people already and I think right yeah it's just so amazing because I think what you were coming back to is sometimes it's not about needing another professional it's just needing people that get you and get you, what yeah. you're going through and I think that's a hard thing like for example like how obviously I found a peer support group through the British Heart Foundation where other young people other young adults have got long-term heart conditions and long-term illnesses and we support each other and I think that's what it's all about is finding those people where you can turn to instead of like I get it I felt like this you don't want to be that burden on your normal friends or you know your day-to-day friends you feel like conversations are always going to be about you but you're you fear that you fear that oh my god and and it can happen when you're in a difficult space you know it's natural that you're going to become quite insular and I know I've been guilty maybe is not the right word but I know I've been very conscious that a lot of my mental health issues have seeped into my conversations with friends because Mm. it's just so overwhelming that of course like you want to talk to the people that you know that love you and you love but that isn't always the best space to to regularly keep as your you know they're there for you but I'm conscious that having a support group network that's almost a space dedicated to that is a way in which it can take off the the pressure or or the shame that people have with burdening or not burdening but you know what I mean oversharing or whatever that stuff is so you've been a peer support leader what do you think is the sort of best takeaways from it like so I think the best takeaways from it on my point of view is the fact that I just feel like I don't fear sharing anything like for example like last week throughout lockdown it's been amazing because we've been doing virtual online sessions and um in some of them we actually do like activities like we were saying we would do like something activity based once a month or something with the mad millennials because I feel like it breaks the barrier because it Mm -hmm. breaks the barrier to a conversation so whether you know my favorite activity to do is climbing obviously that is not something that I'd recommend to like everyone and heart patients yeah (laughs) Um, but that's just been mine or yoga like obviously I'm a yoga teacher and um like I ran a yoga based chair session the other day and I think it's just breaking down the barrier to opening up conversations Conversation. and I think yeah that's yeah. that's where like the peer support comes into place because you could be doing anything and you can be open or you maybe just feel so like trusted in the group that you're in it's just beautiful to see people grow and shine away from what they came in to, to necessarily speak in the first place yeah, yeah. Oh, that's actually really interesting and it's sort of getting me thinking about our mental scheme as well in that you know it's not a space just to well it is if people want to yeah. just talk but we don't want them to feel like they're going to arrive to this group or session and it's going to be really heavy and they're going to have to di- delve into all of their deep dark secrets and, and pain yeah. it's also like you said like using sort of activities and and lighter moments to open up the the space for people to talk if they want to and I, I really like that as an idea yeah. and I think it is so special as well because if you think about the places that you've maybe met your friends and things like that it's always been something to do with an activity or something where you find like-minded people and I think that's where it's just so pleasurable to like know that you're going somewhere and you're actually going to places where 
you know, you to like every single person, but you know how we were talking about just off, off record, how I was like, I just never felt like myself at school. I never felt mm. like I was fierce. I didn't feel like anyone actually understood me. And I found that really hard. And coming mm. out of university, and like you said, you don't ever really know what you want to do in life. Like I studied nutrition at university and I, I still had all these thoughts about what I should be doing in life. It's hard to think about the future and know what exactly it is you're on the planet to do. Oh, definitely. And I don't think, you know, we always hear like sort of adults, even though we're adults yeah. now going, oh, well, you never know what you want to do with your life. You never, yeah. I mean, that that was quite stressful to me because I did feel like there was something, but I just hadn't got put my finger on it yet. And I think everyone has got their thing or something, which like, and I suppose yeah. that kind of comes back to your sort of podcast title yeah. really like everyone's got that fizz in them that they really just want to um work out and we're all kind of on that journey to to discover it um and mm. it just I mean it can come in different forms for different people that might be you know having a family or I suppose it comes back to purpose as well and what you feel like you are here to do I guess yeah exactly and just going on from that like let's take it back to your childhood and how you maybe found those happy times. What in, in in your childhood made you really happy? You know her, my friend, yeah. Eleanor. Yeah, Eleanor. so we were just, yeah, so she, we were just like sisters and I didn't have a sister. I had my brother and I, again, like I bring him into this, but I think just having those like special childhood bonds with friends that, you know, they kind of get stronger as you grow up. Like you might have periods of not talking and now, but you just feel like deeply connected to like, people and, and siblings and those kind of lovely fond early memories where we'd like put on shows and we'd mm. you know do drama things and like those are my happiest memories and I can think of loads of them where we'd be together creating things and and you know trying on lots of fancy dress outfits and, and just parading around and showing <laughs> the parents stuff like those are probably my fondest memories and my primary school as well which obviously we both went yeah. to I it was an incredible primary school like yeah. genuinely everyone probably says that about their primary school but it was something special about it and and when you see the people that you were there with now like it just runs deep that kind of bond um and I'm sure lots of people have that or, or don't have that but you know that for me was and is yeah my sort of fondest childhood memories were that kind of age and and just making up plays making up shows mm. writing songs <laughs> all you that kind what? of stuff it comes back to the like you said it's environmental isn't it like yeah. if an environment can be created where you can be made to feel this buzz of fizz and happiness mm. that's where you grow the most and I think going on from that like what do you think kind of shaped who you are now from the childhood moments to all the last couple of years where obviously they may have been a little bit more challenging what's kind of got you to a place of a happier state I guess yeah that's interesting because I think I probably there was a long time where I just didn't feel like I really liked myself and secondary school was very difficult for that as in the main sort of bulk of it till I kind of got to sick form and sort of met and became closer with the friends that I've got now who are my best friends now I think I felt quite lost and struggled a lot with self-esteem and self-worth issues so even though like primary school and like younger years and stuff shaped my I think kind of creativity and probably gave me the 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 space to explore that and like encouragement from my parents to like if I do shows or if I was to write songs and I felt I was able to be creative 
but then it's not really been until the last sort of five years where I've kind of done the most like self kind of self work um and I don't know listening to podcasts reading like just life experience that I've kind of grown the most and I know that I'm a completely different person to the person that went traveling when I was 19 and was quite careless and but still very mentally unwell in a way now I feel like there's a lot more fire in me and self-confidence you've got that drive you've got the aspirations now where you can see past what you thought once was you know what's the point of life to now being like actually there's so much point to life mm-hmm. and I really want to do what I'm doing right now which obviously with your now music and singing and songwriting can I just say like the songs are absolutely beautiful like when I heard control I felt the words and I was just like whoa like how did your singing sort of get started and come about because I don't really remember you singing much at school or being being much yeah on stage with singing no that's the thing I mean I've always sung and I always sort of wrote songs and like I remember kind of just singing in my bedroom always and uh, if anyone came around I'd be like should we just sing like as an activity (laughs) I mean I know bless them um but I, I, I was very shy with it and I didn't really push that that much I kind of I had a few singing lessons kind of in in like secondary school not at school actually like when I went Mm. to like a drama school out of it but it was always drama and dance were the things I was doing but I knew in me that singing was my sort of release and just what I really wanted to do I just never thought I never thought I would have the confidence to do it I just genuinely couldn't see that I could see the vision of what I wanted but I just, and I don't think I would have got to this point now where I'm putting myself out there with it had I not been through everything I've been through. Like, I, I, I'm completely sure of that. Yeah. Um, so I just never really explored it as a career. Like, I never thought, oh, I'm going to do music. I thought it was very exposing. Whereas, like, drama, like we were saying earlier, I felt like there was this ability to be able to, like, tap into that performing stuff that I like, but hide behind the kind of characters whereas music and singing was very exposing and I I just wasn't ready for it Mm. but then at uni I just started like reaching out a bit more putting myself out there and I still wasn't playing live or anything that took a while to do and then once I did it I was like oh my god I just want to keep doing this and it was a couple of my friends who took me to this open mic night um in must have been about four years ago now and I thought I'm absolutely terrified (laughs) and I think they probably thought I was just going to be there you know shaking like like a leaf on the stage but as soon as I started singing I was just like oh my god you were set free I was you found your face and I was like (laughs) I did and then obviously the songwriting was something that was happening sort of privately and and anyway but kind of again sort of connecting the whole performing on stage is something that oh my god I could actually sing my own songs mm. was you know this isn't something that it, it yeah it was all that was almost like a light bulb moment and then that just started happening more and more and more um I started working with a producer who's produced these ones and I've got kind of a body of them which I didn't again I didn't set out to go oh, I'm going to write songs about my mental health because you know, even four years ago, the conversations were, weren't nearly as prevalent as they are now. And it, they weren't really in songs, whereas now, you know, there are a lot of songs where people talk about their mental health. Um, and and I've written a lot of these before that 
and then now looking back I'm like gosh they're just you know they really are laced with all of my kind of mental health difficulties and it just felt like it came out really naturally and that's now the only way I can kind of imagine writing and releasing music Mm. and I think the tone that you put on there because you put on such a sort of vulnerable self-reflective tone can really help you to I guess connect with your audience like I know when I first heard control and Mm. I felt some of those words and I was like that's how I felt it's such a beautiful way of you connecting with your fans and connecting with the audience that you do want to support I guess to a certain way Mm, definitely I mean that that is the kind of dream to be able to write the lyrics and connect with and perform them in a way that connect with with people because Mm. that's that's the stuff that I connect most with and that kind of raw songwriting you know like icons of mine would be like Amy Winehouse who you know was incredibly raw raw and vulnerable Mm. and that's kind of the only way now that I know how to do it kind of thing that is the, the direction that I want to go in more and more because how do you best describe your music like what's your sort of genre <laughs> yeah so I'd say it's predominantly like kind of an R&B style with sort of melodic pop influences I'd say so darker yeah. kind of pop I love it um, and yeah. and you've got a wonderful new project coming out called Unmasked which I'm so excited to hear more about so tell us more about that yeah so basically I as we've spoken about have these two kind of interests and passions of mine one being you know talking about mental health and raising awareness and second being music and the creative industries and whilst you know I want to tread carefully in that it's not a mad millennials times charm music project that's not what this is it's two separate things it's it's yes it's my music but it's not you know connected to my millennials but it is connected to mental health and raising awareness Mm. and basically I wanted to come up with this idea that obviously at a time where we're wearing face masks to protect each other physically and the public health of everybody, which is incredibly important, metaphorically, we need to be taking them off to remove them to be able to have difficult, vulnerable conversations. Mm. So that kind of just, I was like, unmasked. Like, I love that's that. That's what it needs to be. That's <laughs> and so I've got, beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. No, I'm, I'm very happy with it. And I've got a great team that I worked on the last music video with. Um, so it's Jade, Ali and Nicole and then myself and we're kind of team unmasked and we've kind of been Big shout building out this to idea. Team unmasked. I know. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tell us more about that. So obviously yes. you're, you're going to be launching that and what do you want to get out from that? So it's going to start with um, an IGTV sort of series where I'm going to be speaking to other creatives and musicians about their mental health and how that's kind of really been hit hard through the last very difficult year, as we all know, Um, because I think not only has um, everybody's mental health really suffered this year, the creative industry as an industry has like many industries Mm. I know but has really struggled um you know a lot of people's hopes and dreams and passions and you know that it's completely disintegrated for so many people so I really want to kind of shine a light on not just musicians but other other creatives in the industry so part one is going to be that um and then we're also going to bring this to a live format without the audience obviously because of covid but um, and it's all going to be done COVID secure, but we're going to film a whole sort of show and there's going to be parts to it where there'll be interviews and sit 
down sofa chat, speaking to some of these people that I've had on the IGTV. And then there's also going to be a live performance. And I'm also going to be doing a music video and there's going to be dancers. And then it's going to be on this website, a whole kind of virtual immersive experience, um, all with the theme of like unmasked, but, you know, this mental health kind of current running through it. So it's a way of bringing my sort of two interests and passions together, but also shining a light on other people, not just myself, that are in the creative industries. So I'm excited. Incredible. It It just seems like you're inventing your own TV show, babe. Like, you know, (laughs) host is Shah. (laughs) And like, you know, and that just makes me feel so proud of you because I think, you know, sometimes you just need to hear it back and just be like, actually, yeah, like I'm doing all this. How how the heck have I achieved that from where I once was where I just couldn't get up from bed to now just being like, oh my gosh, I'm out there because you did exactly yeah. what you just said. You dunked yourself into just going and like, you know, singing in front of that crowd you did four years ago to yeah. now within the COVID times, but using your creativity to such a crazy level, an amazing level <laughs> where you're unmasking what this whole weird world we're in. And that's amazing. That's so- oh, Thank you. It's definitely hard to give myself credit because I always then think of the next thing and you know, a bit bigger and bigger, but ultimately, like you said, when you do look back, it's like, yeah, I guess I never expected to be doing half the stuff I'm doing now. So. I've got to give Mm. myself credit for it. Well, what helps you like stay grounded? What helps you, you know, come back to your own? And how did you find over the last couple of years you've managed to support your mental health now? Obviously, this year has been a bit tough, like as we know. But what's always helped you to supporting your mental health? Maybe some tips. Yeah, so I mean, I've had therapy for a long time since I was about 16, 17. On and off, mainly on. Now has been a bit of an off period because... I feel like I kind of got to a point now where I'd I was aware of the things I needed to be doing it was just doing them Mm. um so I would strongly recommend um you know if you feel like you need to speak to somebody then a therapist is the best person to begin with if you can because you know you'll get some of those tools and and tricks and tips so sort of led but then in a kind of more self-development kind of self-care way I suppose for me, it is, I just love listening to podcasts, mm-hmm. um, immersing myself in other people's stories and taking some things that, you know, have helped them and just adding that to my toolkit. And and just feel, I feel really comforted by learning about like the mind and other, other people's and just not feeling like I'm alone um, is the number one thing for me, I genuinely yeah. think. And what's your um, favourite podcast to listen to? Because I know we were talking about this just before <laughs> and I was like, yes! I absolutely love that one. So yeah, tell our listeners what you recommend. Um, well, no, we were talking, the two we were talking about is Fern Cotton's Happy Place, which yes. is absolutely brilliant. Love and it. my favourite one is uh, Elizabeth Day's How to Fail. And I think that's genuinely like a lifetime goal of mine to be on her podcast. So I'm just going to put it out there into the world. Yes. And hopefully one day. I just think she's incredible. Um, but I, I just get so much comfort from listening to this. And obviously, you know, people talk about difficult times in their lives, but it just makes us all feel more connected and more human. And I think getting outside, like I'm not the biggest exerciser and I, I want to be more, but I try. And even if I just go for a short, a short jog, it, it does, it does help. It does help. Mm. <laughs> there is something in that. There is something, they don't just say it, you know, babe, like there is something about those endorphins that help you, help you release any tension. Yeah. 
you know, all those worries away. But yeah, no, I love those. I think everything you've just said, but more so the self-development, I think that is where you start to figure out how you can maybe bring, like you said, tools into place to help you on a daily basis. Yeah, and I think exactly. It's really, really special to think about. If you had any tips for 20-somethings trying to figure life out, what tips would you give to them? Well, it sounds a bit of a cliche, doesn't it? But like, you know, things will, opportunities will present themselves and don't put the pressure on yourself because this year is especially is very much, you know, it's just about getting through and, you know, letting your mind explore different avenues and, you know, research and read up on things, but try not to, you know, put the pressure on yourself and think I've got to chase this and I chase that and that's going to make me feel better. I think just allowing your mind to explore, brainstorm. I love writing things out um, and just like visualizing how a certain career path might feel like or thinking, okay, right, could I, do I want to move to that place? Right, visualize it because at the moment we can't really get on a plane and go, oh, you know what, I want to go and move to LA. I want to go and whatever. Um, but we have got that capacity to to really allow the thoughts to come and see how they feel in terms of exploring directions that would probably be my best tactic is that something that I do I'm like mm, does this feel right to me how does this sit and how does it feel um, and you just know you know what you know how it feels even if you can't sort of see a, a career path kind of planning out if you're sort of struggling with your mental health like you know it does come back to the talk to somebody get it off your chest that's absolutely number one and look into peer support. And if it's not millennials, that's fine. There's other stuff out there. Mm. But look into that and find your, like you said earlier, finding your tribe, finding your people that you feel get you will allow you more freedom to be able to think about what you want to do with your life. Mm. And I love that. And I think this is where I'd obviously recommend Mad Millennials as hopefully beginning off next year. Yeah. When fingers crossed, we'll be out and about doing those peer support groups if not in person definitely online and we're just all currently creating all our closed Facebook groups we've all got our own Instagram so Mm -hmm. you can you can come and find us on those spaces if you are looking into wanting to explore what this peer support thing we're talking about is (laughs) (laughs) which obviously I think it it's really going to be so beneficial and so helpful for so many people so yeah yeah you you've just done incredibly well my love and so has Lauren so big up to you for you guys helping the millennials out there thank you yeah and I definitely want to say that you know I'm so grateful to have had Lauren working on this side by side with me she's a very busy lady she's working um, as a therapist uh, child and adolescence um, in Nottingham so she is always sort of thinking about and helping young people and it's now brilliant that I've been able to bring on some other team leaders to kind of bring up my millennials and and take a bit of the pressure off of her as well so we're yeah we're in a really good place and it's really exciting to have all the mentors like yourself that are committed to <laughs> wanting to to and believe in it and I think that's the main thing isn't it like we wouldn't want people who you know you wouldn't want to do it if you didn't believe in it and that it needs to feel like a, a mutual shared belief 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is something that you are driving throughout. So yeah, it's going to be amazing. Like I can't wait to look back at it like this time next year. Who knows? I'll bring you back on the podcast and be like, so tell me how this year of bad millennials has been. Hopefully we've got loads of them there all over. That's what I want. All, all over to... the world. Is that your all like, over the world. Of, is that your aspirations to take mad millennials as this sort of big national organization? I, I, we start with national. I mean, Barcelona is just in a, is a brilliant asset to have but yeah I think if we we work on getting it around this country as a beginning then I'll be very happy if people can put in their postcode and they know oh I've got a group you know just down the road from me and it's not just kept all the cities or the boroughs there's there's ones in every town that would be amazing because there's millennials everywhere so why why shouldn't there be loads of millennials groups <laughs> exactly but that will take like obviously more mentors time. more training more time and yeah things like that. but like you know if you are interested then just keep an eye out because you know next set of mentors hopefully come again soon thank you so much for sharing that side of everything it's so amazing and we're just going to go into some quick fire questions now okay you ready oh, i'm scared yeah go for it how I'm quick scared. are we talking like bam. no don't worry you don't have to go back <laughs> okay. like i say i'm not very good questions. at that no i know <laughs> you're just like i could just talk for england i'm like that's fine i know <laughs> okay well let's go into them The first question is, what's made you happy today? Oh, speaking to you. That's an easy oh, one. Oh, it's definitely I'm such a good mood now. Oh, I'm so glad. And you know what, though? I feel really humbled that, like, we've reconnected over this, like, amazing project. Because obviously, I think it was when you set your event last year mm. um, at the Cardinal Clinic in Windsor. And obviously, I came with Rosie and I was supporting Rosie with the yoga and, uh, and I was just like, oh my gosh, wow, I can't believe it. And I spoke to your mum and <laughs> your mum just obviously is a joy. And she just told yeah. me so much about how hard you've worked. And yeah, I'm just really grateful for you. So, Well, our passions and interests aligned, didn't they, at that time? And it, yeah. it just made complete sense. And I'm so glad that you did come because yeah. look where we are now. <laughs> look where we are right now. Yeah. Oh, thanks, babe. That's made my day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who inspires your happiness and fears for life? Um, my friends, definitely friends, friends. And, I mean, that's an, that's an easy answer, I know, but I just think there's there's so so much that friends and family just bring to our lives that um, I just feel very grateful and lucky to have them all. Yeah, and I think that is something to really you know expand on in terms of like you've just got to find those right friends. You've got to find the right friends that you know really really care about you really give you the time and that space to just be yeah. who you are and I cannot say it enough like if there are unhealthy relationships in your life then really check in really check into finding those positive people those people that are going to really drive what yeah. you want in life and I think yeah. yeah that's where we've both found that as well yeah definitely what top three tips would you give to people to finding their happiness Oh, okay. Um, I would say reading, reading and find and just seeing what ignites you and think, okay, yeah, I like that. I connect with that. Again, dancing and singing, just like exploring the space that you're in and like your voice and movement. Yeah, exactly. Whatever that might be for you. Um, and just connecting, yeah, connecting with friends, speaking to friends. And I think the main thing I would just say is like, 
what excites you like what gives you a buzz and that thing is the thing that's going to make you happy and just and just try and chase that in whatever way you can really yeah chase you to find your fizz there I love that yeah (laughs) what would you do to make someone else happy I would listen to them see what their what they feel like they they need from me right now and I just think yeah just tapping in connecting talking to friends and empowering them to be able to do what they feel like they want to do and what their talents are and just empowering I like that word it is it is just about listening and just taking that moment to really really understand what where they're at as well and especially Mm. during this this time in the year okay amazing okay this is a challenge that you're going to set our listeners so an activity that makes you happy that you want everyone else to give a go this week oh okay that's an interesting one okay I'm gonna say oh have a time where you like put on your favorite song and you just sing it loudly dance loudly even if someone's in your house just be like I don't know go under the sheet or something go under the cover just <laughs> like for me like singing it's not about being like obviously you know I, I want to do it as a career and I am doing it as a career but it's not about being like the best singer or the best dancer but it's just it makes you feel so much better so blare a song dance and sing to it as much as you can <laughs> what's your favorite song my favorite song oh my god what a hard question that is I genuinely don't think I can answer that it's gonna <laughs> have to be I mean my old all-time like favorite that always makes me feel good let's go with that it's got to be top loader dancing in the moonlight I mean it just makes you feel great oh that's a great song it's a great song right yeah but yeah I've got lots of different types of favorite songs but that's my feel good dancey party song (laughs) oh I love it I love it and final question what does finding your fizz mean to you oh first of all I love that that's great um it means to me finding the essence I think yeah the word that comes to springs to mind is like essence like of who you are what you want to give back what makes you tick um and yeah just like just whatever ignites you and excites you because that's where I kind of put my energy into um and I know that that's that's what makes me happy even if I'm tired even if I'm not getting paid I'm just like what excites me and that's finding my fears. <laughs> I love that. Oh, so they're all right. That was hard. <laughs> oh, thanks so much for coming on and you're very welcome. Thank your you for amazing having me. Energy. Of course. Like, you know, you were one of the top people on my list to get on to the podcast no. when I started Mad Millennials. And I think it's just, yeah, wonderful to see how much growth you've had in your life. And yeah, just keep being you is how can people get in touch where should they find you if they want to find yes you? so the best way would be to go onto our instagram page we've got um a link tree on there which will then link to our emails if you want to send us an email if you want to send us a dm we will get back to you it might not be straight away but we will definitely get back to you and point you in the right direction whether that's some support that you feel like you're needing or whether you want to speak to one of the area mentors and kind of start building and getting into that kind of network then definitely do that music stuff again my instagram um there's lots of links to videos and music on there i'll tag all your instagrams and things in the show notes so people can find you my love oh well thank you so much oh no thank you (laughs) good luck with unmasked i cannot wait to 
hear it and see it and like it and share it and all that jazz you have a wonderful day ahead and you thank you very much for having me on my pleasure babe i'll speak to you soon bye bye love How great was that? Thank you so much, Shah, for coming on to the show and for sharing your story. I know how difficult it can be to share your story and feel so open and honest about your life. And I feel truly humbled that you felt so comfortable to share yours with me. Shah said to me straight after the conversation, Fizz, that's one of the best and most comfortable chats that I have had. And I really enjoyed that. And Shah, wow, hand on heart, that meant everything to me it's the best feeling to know that you have been able to support someone to share their story and this is exactly what I want to be able to do from this podcast her words just truly warmed my heart so thank you Shah I think it's pretty special when you reconnect with someone that you used to know and you start to find that your worlds kind of align again speaking to Shah reminded me how sometimes you think you might know someone but then you realize I actually didn't really know that person or the struggles they were going through at all and many of us have been wearing a mask on our faces our whole lives not just in 2020 so the question is how can you unmask yourself now often as millennials we forget that we are still so young whilst we search for a more happier and more content life we actually have to notice how maybe we need to do the work on searching for who we are first and what makes us us before we try to search for the thing we are made to do in life. Because like Shah said, that will just come with time. Opportunities will always open up when you least expect them to. Mental health exists in each and every one of us. And the best thing that you can do right now is take care of your own mental health, but also talk about it like an everyday topic with others because you may just help yourself discover the true you by taking your mask off, socially distanced of course. If you are currently looking for support with your mental health and want to find other like-minded people to talk things through with, then check out Mad Millennials on Instagram to find your local group. I am one of the lead mentors for Mad Millennials Berkshire, so if you would like to find more information, you can find our handle at M-M-M-B-E-R-K-S. So that's at M-M-M-B-E-R-K-S if you're Berkshire based. But there are loads of little support groups out there right now through Mad Millennial. So do have a little check and check out Shah's incredible music as well. That brings me to the end of the show. Thank you so much for stopping by and listening into this week's conversation. It honestly means so much to have all your support. Please do remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify and rate, review and share and help me help more people to find their fizz in life because we all need some fizz in our life, right? (laughs) Have a fab week, team. Love you lots. Bye.